Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. And also keep in mind that our English audio messages are available as podcasts through iTunes. You can look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Over the next four weeks, we'll be going through a four-part series that will talk about the problem of persistent unfaithfulness and idolatry, and also about three examples of people, Noah, Daniel, and Job, that we are given in our Bible passage that illustrates faithfulness to the Lord. As part of today's message, we'll start by looking at understanding the problem of persistent unfaithfulness and idolatry. We're living in times that are very similar to when the prophecy of Ezekiel was given to the people of Israel. During that time, and like now, there is a lot of idolatry and unfaithfulness to the Lord throughout the so-called people of God. But the only way that anyone will get through these difficult times of tribulation and make it into God's kingdom is by loving the Lord and loving your neighbor, and true love endures all things and stands the test of time. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we listen to today's message. Let us take a few moments to seek the Lord in prayer and to ask him to give us a clear mind to understand and a heart to listen to what he wants to teach us through his word and his Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lord God, Heavenly Father, please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, please forgive us, O Lord, for all the wrong things that we do. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, humbly now, that you please, O Lord, as always, please help us have a clear mind and help us to understand, O Lord, and help us to have a soft and malleable heart before you, Lord God. Then we might be able to listen and to understand, Lord God, what you are trying to tell us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for each person that's listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may speak to them directly, Lord, intimately and personally. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our main scripture passage reading comes from Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 12 to 23. And this is what the word says. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it, I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beasts, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword on the land and say, sword, go through the land and I cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Or if I send the pestilence into the land and pour out my fury on it on blood and cut off from it man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. 
For thus says the Lord God, how much more it shall be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, the sword and famine and wild beasts and pestilence to cut off man and beast from it? Yet behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought out, both sons and daughters, surely they will come out to you, and you will see their ways and their doings. Then you will be comforted concerning the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, all that I have brought upon it. And they will comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and you shall know that I have done nothing without cause that I have done in it, says the Lord God. In this passage, we read that persistent unfaithfulness is a problem to the Lord and that he would allow terrible things to happen to his people if this is what is happening throughout. Although God is concerned with the sin of the world, what matters most to him are those that claim being his people. So now, what kind of unfaithfulness is the Lord referring to? One of the many problems that Israel had, including immorality, was the issue of worshiping and serving idols, even demons. Their heart was completely divided. They tried to keep everyone happy. They still had some form of worship towards God, but they also worshiped all other gods and deities and prayed to other idols. They were doing terrible things, including worshiping Moloch, which was a Canaanite god. What made worshiping this god so terrible were the sacrifices of newborn children. This consisted of a large stone statue, which stood for Moloch, that was carved with its arms extended and heating the statue with fire and setting a newborn baby on its extended arms and basically cooking it to death as a sacrifice to him. This sounds terrible, but that and abortion is exactly the same thing. So we're not very different from each other as far as societies. The difference between one and the other is the type of idol that is being worshipped. In Israel's case, they were worshipping this pagan god to find some sort of favor or help, and that's why they offered their children to him. But in our society's case, it involves worshipping self as an idol. Many people have abortions because they accidentally got pregnant, and having that baby interferes with personal plans because it is unplanned, or because at one moment the relationship is going well, and another moment the relationship went south, if you will. And so having a baby would now be pointless. And so in one way or another, there is the sin of immorality that is generated by worshiping something outside of God, which brings us to the point to help define this persistent unfaithfulness that the Bible speaks of. In Israel's case, which is our case in general now, as far as the universal church of Christ, is that spiritual harlotry or adultery is being committed. Most people are now cheating on God with other gods, other idols and or things, things that are given precedent before God. What is an idol? It is whatever you put ahead of God, whatever becomes your priority. Let's define it a little better because most people, especially so-called believers, associate idol worship with little statues or pictures of things that are not related to God. If your family takes precedent or priority over God, even though a family is a good thing, you have turned that into an idol. If your job or financial stability or the love of money takes precedent over God, then that has turned into an idol. If anything takes precedent over God, then whatever that is, even if it is helping other people, then whatever that thing or people are have been turned into idols. 
Are you starting to get the picture? The Bible is very specific in what needs to happen. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31 says this, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the Lord needs to be number one in our lives. We need to love him above all other things and people. And the second is loving your neighbor as yourself. God needs to be first. But when other things take his place, then the order of things is broken. And there is when all kinds of immorality start occurring as a result of sinning against God. And we have mentioned the scripture many times that the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans says. Even if you are a believer, if you sin against God, you are still producing death. That never changes. Some believers commit the mistake thinking that if they practice sin as believers, that it is okay because the Lord forgives everything. And that is not the case. It is extremely difficult for God to overlook the sin of idolatry because of the very fact that he is not first. If he is not the priority, if he is not being taken into consideration in decision-making, then why should he forgive if a person doesn't even involve him in their life? Because when God is not first, then sin is in charge of a person's life. Their life decisions are being dictated by sin, not by God. So everything that is being done is negative. That's the problem when God is not first. A person may think they're doing things right, but the moment God is not first, all decisions are being directed by the sin that is still in their flesh, even as so-called believers in Christ. And as it is written, for the wages of sin is death. Now let's try to bring even more clarity to the situation because it needs to be clarified so all intentions can be revealed and hopefully changed. There may be some people that might say, John, I believe in the Lord and I look for him all of the time, so I should be okay. And I would say to that, it depends. We all need to answer one very basic and simple question. Why are you looking for the Lord? Let's elaborate. Do you look for the Lord so you can gain some sort of benefit? Is it a relationship based on meeting your own personal interests? Do you look for the Lord only to solve your problems, to get the things you want and so on? Have you placed him more in a servant role as opposed to the Lord and master that he should be? This is what is written in Isaiah chapter 29. Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. See, God is not stupid. He knows everything. He knows our intentions. If you look for him solely so he can just fulfill your desires and take care of your needs, and that's it. There's nothing else then those desires and those things are idols in your heart, even if you pray to him and you try to do what is right. Think about it this way. Would you like for someone to look for you and to be with you 
just because they're trying to get things from you, because they look at you as a tool or as a means to get what they want and need, if you don't like it, then don't treat God the same way. That is what most believers do. Rather than learning to love the Lord, to look for his purposes, they try to turn him into a servant, into someone that is convenient to them. And in that scenario, they're putting themselves first. They are the idol, and that is all wrong. Do you see just how persistently unfaithful we can become if we're not careful? If we just concentrate on looking at things from our perspective, then we will never be right with God. We need to learn how to see things from his perspective, from his viewpoint. When we start looking at ourselves and everything around us from God's perspective, your eyes will start to open and to see just how bad things have become. Not necessarily in the world with the unbeliever, but rather with his church in general and even, dare I say, with our own selves. If we are honest, we can find ourselves doing that quite easily and all of the time. This is something we really need to understand and get it right. And we have to check ourselves all of the time. We sometimes lose sight of what is important with the Lord because people many times turn something that is relationship-based to a religion, to some sort of moral code or custom. Like we read a little earlier, God wants for us to love Him with everything we are. The moment love enters the picture, when we start talking about love, it is then not something that is based on rules or regulations. It is based on a relationship. And as we are taught throughout the Bible, it is a love relationship that is built as such. That's why faith is the number one component of that love relationship. Believing that he is God, that he is a person, a supreme being. And so we should treat him as such. So the very first step that needs to be present is believing that he is who he says he is, that the Lord is God, the creator of all things, the one who was and is and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And of course, not only accepting him and making him the actual Lord of your life, he is also your savior because he does want to save you, but to fulfill a purpose, not just because. Regarding faith, this is what the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you see, Faith starts everything, especially the love relationship we need to cultivate with the Lord. So now you may ask, why does he ask to be loved above all things? When we sin, we're ultimately being unfair. That's what makes sin so wrong, especially towards God. When we sin, we're being unfair with God. 
If we go by what we should believe as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, then we should be able to answer the following questions. Who created everything? Who made you? Who gives you life? Who allows for this world and everything in it to run so you live and do what you are doing? Who allows you to keep on living? Who has given you all the abilities you have? Who died for you on the cross so your sins could be forgiven? Who is the one that has paved the way so you can have the opportunity to eternal life? Who is the one that wants your life to make a difference? Who ultimately looks to fill every void and heal every pain of your heart? And the list goes on and on and on. People don't give you those things. You can't even give those things to yourselves. As much as you might think, everything really depends on you. And of course, Satan only wants your destruction. And that is why he appeals to the sin that is within you to cause you to fall and never rise again. So if the Lord is the answer to everything we listed quickly, is it fair not to give him first place? Of course not. Is it fair to even rely or to look for other things outside of him? Of course not. So it is completely the right thing to do to put him in first place, to do as he asks. And what makes it even more sense is that he is a good and loving God. And what he teaches us to do is only for our own good and for the good of others. That's why our thoughts cannot come first. That's why we need to just pay attention and learn from him and to obey Think about it this way. There were others who learned to love the Lord and put his purposes first, like the apostles and so many other people after him. They were people just like us, imperfect, with similar, if not even harder lives to live. But nonetheless, they stayed focused. What would have happened if Matthew or Luke or John or James or Paul would have said, I'm just going to live my life as best as I can and not worry about anything else. Would we even have an idea of who Jesus Christ today is and any concept of salvation and eternal life without the hard work of people like them? No. The gospel would have stopped. Much of the Bible would have not been written. Many lives that succeeded them would have been left untouched. Praise the Lord God Almighty they did not think that way. And they put away any kind of idol of self or anything that could have prevented them from doing God's will because that is God's purpose. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it is also written, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father who desires all, not just some, but all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But how can God's salvation continue being shared if we are too busy thinking about ourselves and putting our faith in idols and constantly being unfaithful to God? How can you be saved? Do you understand just how much of a problem it is and how subtle can this issue of idolatry and persistent unfaithfulness be? Not only are you affecting yourself, but you're also affecting all of those around you and you are negatively impacting the work that God wants to do through you for your own good, for the good of others and for the good of those that will follow after you. And so having said all of that, 
Do you think God wants to allow for terrible things to happen as a result of our persistent unfaithfulness? Do you think God enjoys having to permit devastating things to occur because of the obstinate and rebellious heart of many people? Of course not. We just read it. He wants for everyone to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires for all men to find good and blessing. He is a God that is good and loving. He prefers dispensing grace and salvation than judgment and destruction. Joel chapter 2 tells us the following. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He, he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? God is a God of mercy and grace. If we humble ourselves individually, things can change. God can turn away from his anger and judgment. He's able to hold off and allow for grace to extend even a little further. If there is repentance and conversion, if there is a humble and contrite heart, but this tide of change starts with us as individuals. Each man and woman that is listening right now, if you understand that there is a problem with idolatry, if there has been persistent unfaithfulness, if you have put yourself and your desires ahead of the Lord, God says now, repent and convert. More specifically, the Bible says this, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Lord also says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are also counseled by the word like this, 
The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. We need to heed the word of God, his divine and good counsel. And we need to do it right away, individually, on our own, wherever we are. We need to humble ourselves and to let go of our idols and learn to be faithful to the one who loves us, cares for us, and has done everything unimaginable for our own personal forgiveness and salvation. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, all I can say is, I'm sorry. Please, oh Lord, forgive me for my sins and my wrongs. Lord, forgive me if there has been idolatry, if there have been things that have been set before you that should be there, if you have not been first. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may forgive each one of us, Lord God, if we have not been faithful, if we have only been thinking of ourselves, if we have allowed for us to be God and Lord in our lives. Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. Please forgive us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, I pray that you may be able to turn away from your wrath, from your anger, from, Lord God, from all those things that you feel that our sin, our unfaithfulness, our idolatry has made you feel. Heavenly Father, help us to have humble and contrite and soft hearts before you. Help us to understand exactly what we have done wrong and how we need to turn from that. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person that is listening. Give them, O oh Lord, a spirit of clarity, of understanding, O oh Lord, of clear vision, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help them to be able to, Lord God, have a spiritual mirror in front of them, Lord God, and you may just show them clearly, Heavenly Father, of what needs to change in their lives. And Lord God, the thing that angers you the most is when we don't put you first, when we are unfair with you, Heavenly Father, help us to learn to be fair with you, to treasure and to value what you have done for us. Lord God, help us, O oh Lord, to be able to, to just understand just the immensity of everything that you've done from creating heaven and earth and putting us here and, and Lord God, and being able to give us the opportunity of salvation through Jesus Christ that you gave your only begotten son to die on the cross and to shed his blood, to give his life so that we could have life. Help us to understand your grace and to be grateful for it, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we continue looking into God's word together. 
please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.